what's up, everybody? My name is Del. I'm joined today by John Anwu Chekwa, author and pastor at Cornerstone Church. Yeah. Yep. Thanks for coming, bro. Thanks, man. I see Glad you with to the off-whites. <laughs> Thanks. And <laughs> we're here with Andy Minio. You got to see it. We're here with Andy Minio. This is the Work in Progress podcast. Huh. This is a great trick that we played on Andy. No, I'm kidding. This is how we got Andy to kind of finally release a whole bunch of songs that he's never put out commercially for like a whole bunch of reasons. Um, and today we're talking about a song called I Don't Need You. It's out now. You can listen to it finally. Yeah. But we're going to talk about that record, man. So like. Yeah, yeah that record started uh, maybe 2016, 17. Um, I just started going to therapy. Um, and therapy has been a huge part of my personal growth. Um, you know, I just dealing with a lot of things in my life. Um, had led me to a place of finally saying, you know what, I want to seek out professional help. My wife had always been a proponent for, for uh, what is it called, mental health. Just like, yo, therapy is a is a really good thing for anybody mm. because it um it helps you understand yourself. Yeah, I heard somebody say it's like getting a PhD in yourself. <laughs> you know, you walk around with your physical self all the time, but a lot of us don't take the time to do the internal work to understand why we think the way we think, um, why we feel the way we feel, why we react the way we react to things, um, things that trigger us, because it often causes us to have to look inwardly and deal with stuff that we'd rather pass over. Yeah. You know, it's like uh, it's like when you look into that dirty room and you're like, I'd rather just sh shove everything in the closet right. than take the time to organize it, understand yeah. it, fix mm. it, clean it, right? And so... Um, you know, I've been just doing therapy and, uh, man, I still go and it's incredible. And, um, one of the things we did, uh, in therapy is I did an exercise where the therapist that I went to go see, he broke up, I was 28 at the time, 29 at the time. And he broke up on a, on a screen of little boxes. And he said, I want you, these little boxes represent five years at a time. Yeah. He said from zero to five, five to 10, 10 to 15. He said, I want you to go into each one of those boxes and I want you to draw a little picture that represents one of the most hurtful things that has ever happened to you mm. in that time. And so I started thinking, you know, he just let me have like 30 minutes. I was just thinking through, I was like, it's one to five. What were things that happened? And I remember I went up on juice and stuff and, and I filled out all the boxes. When I got done, he said, hey, just let's walk through it. Zero to five. What are some things that happened to you? And I started talking to him about it, sharing my, my feelings, my thoughts, and just sit there, write some things down, yeah. post sticky notes up on the board. Right. We go to the, you know, the next one and we keep going through. And, you know, as I'm talking to this person, I'm getting worked up. And I was like, man, and then this person said this to me. Right. And then this person, you know, and I was like, yo, and then they hit me. And I was like, yo. I'm only 12 years old. You're 18. Why would you hit me that hard? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I can't even defend myself. And I was like, oh, F you, I don't need you. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And these started to be uh, basically when I would get done venting, he would say, well, what I'm seeing here is like, pattern. this pattern is this. And when we got done, we pulled away and we looked at basically the first 30 years of my life. And he said, man, it seems like people hurt you. And you just say... F you, I don't need you, I'll mm. do it myself. Mm. Because that's a way of protecting myself right. from having to just deal with people or deal with disappointments. Yeah. And um, I was like, dang, you're right. And he said, what's going to make the next 30 years 
Mm. different than this 30 years. Yeah. Mm. If you don't do the internal work to change who you are, you know? And so, man, that just, you know, that I don't need you, that phrase was just like echoing in my mind. And uh, I walk into the studio and Gavi had just made a beat and I was trying this new recording technique essentially, which is like, don't play me the beat, put the mic and start recording and then play me the beat because the first things that come out of my mouth when I'm recording are oftentimes the, the catchiest and like the mm, best stuff. Right. And you forget it and then you're like, oh, what did I say? And like, let's try to go record it and capture yeah. that lightning in a bottle. Yeah. And so he put it on and I just started mumbling. Like, I don't need you no. Yeah. I don't need you no. So I laid down that melody and I was like, I don't need you no. And it was like, yo, that's so catchy and it's like so good. Yeah. And I was like, what does it mean? Right? And yeah. I was like... <laughs> I was like, man, I can't have like an anthem of telling people I don't need you. You know, I'm like, I don't necessarily want to put that into the world because I, I sense that that's a, not necessarily like a, I'm not proud of that attitude. Mm. And I don't think it's like a helpful attitude. And when I make music, my goal is, you know, I want to make music that's honest and true and from the heart and can help people. And um, so I'm just cautious about the things I put out into the world, you know, and. I wouldn't want to make an anthem for something that uh, that I think could be harmful. Mm. And so I, I had a lot of tension, like, all right, I wrote this lyric and it just like spilled out of me. Now I got to go back and figure out what it means and where it came from and yeah. try to write the song backwards. Uh. So that's how like You Can't Stop Me was made. I had that phrase yeah. and then I was like, I don't even know what the song is going to be about. Right. So sometimes you you have to create, you know, from the end and, and move back. So I was like, man, as I'm writing these lyrics, I'm essentially talking about how I don't need nobody. Like, look at that boy cooking up joints, like run up the skull. And you already know, I never got help. So I did it myself. Now I'm doing so well. I bet you can't tell that I've been running. Like this my dance. Like the feelings of nobody around to help, nobody Mm -hmm. wanting to be there for me. I'm like, well, whatever, then I'll do it myself and I'll run up the score and I'll become this thing. I'll become the successful artist and whatever. But most people don't know as I'm running towards success, a lot of times I'm running from fear. I'm running from my past. And I think a lot of people are. One thing I've noticed is that so many people who have tremendous success usually have tremendous trauma. The thing that makes people so driven to like go and be great a lot of times is the crazy trauma in their life that they're throwing all that energy into. So anyways, um, I wrote that song and I wrote just like basically the turn up part. And I I called Gavi. I was like, I don't think the plane has been landed. You know what I'm saying? Can you make like a softer part, like a B part that I could like open up on and like explain a little bit more? And so he sent over that little piano piece that you hear at the end of the record. And that's when I really like blacked out and just switched the, flipped the record upside down in his head. You know, I don't want to give it away. Go listen to it. It's out yeah. now. Yeah. But, um, you know, I, I think it is a beautiful piece of art that's meant to be enjoyed in context, like the whole thing. Uh, um, and I know, you know, you know, you listen to it just, just now, now um, which I thought was cool. Just playing you the record for the first time. It's crazy. What, what what happened when you heard it? So when I heard it, my first thought was like, why why didn't you release it sooner? Like, what was it that that made you not put this one out? Why didn't this one make the cut on stuff that you put out? I've heard a lot of your stuff, and 
I think a lot of your stuff is great. I think that is, yeah, and not just because I'm here, but it's one of the best yeah, songs that I've heard from you. It really resonated deeply. So at oh, the wow. end of it, like, I just looked and I said, like, yeah, like, why didn't you, why didn't you put it out? Yeah. <laughs> well, we're putting it out now. Yeah. Uh, right, sometimes right, right. Well, it's, why did it take so long, right? Yeah, like, it was, yeah. yeah, two or three years ago, like, well, this was only maybe two years ago. Okay, two. A year and a half. So, yeah. it's, I mean, it's not super. Right. But there was a lot behind the scenes, you know, that I got to be there for. Right. And Del I didn't like the song. That's, uh, not <laughs> That's not true. A lot of it was you trying to nail the concept, right? Yeah. A lot of me was, like, sitting on that first half of the song, like, and then I'm like, well, I don't want to release that into the world. I got to figure out how to land the plane. And then all the other part of it is like getting Gavi, who was the producer on this, who's a, a beast, right. just to open up that extra time to be like, all right, now I got to create an extra piece. Yeah. They got, it's got to work with that person's schedule. Right, He's gotcha. a traveling touring artist. Gotcha. So, you know. That so there was like nothing that was was like, man, this is really hitting a sore spot and I'm not ready to Put it out now. Nah, it wasn't. You know, I've always been like openly vulnerable in right. my music. Yeah, it's really just about finding the right context and the place to release so, a song. So, right. you know, I'm like, oh, should I save it for a project? Yeah, is there any project coming on the pipeline? Right, it's that whole thing. Got you know it. I mean? yeah, it's always a different thing. Like yeah. sometimes it's can't clear a sample. Sometimes it's Andy's overthinking the record right. to the point of detriment. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's we're working with a producer that just is non-responsive right, and trying right, to get right. files, like stupid things like that. Um, this time it was just like really just, cause Andy's like, man, if I don't find a way to land the plane, if I don't find a way to tie up the concept, it's just going to be what stopping it from just being a record that's glorifying the myth of the self-made man right, right, right. and like isolation yeah. and, and promoting isolation. So I think for this one, right, that was pretty much it because you felt good about the record, like Ace, and everyone felt yeah. good about the record. A lot of the internal there. team liked the record. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's just a, a classic case of me being in my head and not letting it go. Right. You know? But I finally, yeah. I'm glad we found a way to let it go through this. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, you, you dug it. Your biggest question was like, wait, why yeah, didn't you? Yeah, why didn't out? you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, it's a. Uh, did you need to hear the whole record to come to that conclusion? Or like what? Yeah. When so, you were listening to it, what's the thought? So the like first part was honest. And so it was, yeah, you know, I just vibed with the whole thing. But then at the end, it was, you know, the confession that you you made at the end. That was the part that really like struck a chord mm. with me when it's like, no, I do need you. And I need you to return my texts. I need you to do all of this stuff. Mm. And I think... Part of why that's so hard is because, like, we would rather, I think, not ask somebody to do what we need them to do if we if there's a possibility that they would say no than to ask them and embrace the no. So all of those things that you asked were great things, but I think, frankly, somebody could say back to you, no, yeah, yeah I can't do it. It's just... Yeah. Too much. And sort of put yourself out there for somebody and to have them say no, for there to be a, a chance that they would say no. I, I think that fear of rejection is just something that, yeah, I think scares us and keeps us 
closed door. And community's hard, right? Because uh. um, having a, a healthy dependency on others yeah. is a necessity, but that requires like humility to be like, yo, right. like I need community. Mm -hmm. Like the pride within us wants us to be like, well, y'all don't want to do it. I'm going to do it myself. Right. You know what I'm saying? And I always... Yeah. To me, that's always funny because I feel like that's something that culture, specifically hip hop culture, glorifies. Right. Self-made, baby. Yeah. Ain't nobody. And yeah. I'm like, yo, it'll take me five seconds yeah. to identify at least 20 people right. that really contributed to this one person's success. Right. Right. <laughs> because right. there's no such thing. Right. There's no such thing as a complete myth. So we're talking about that, and I want to get into that, like the myth of the self-made man. And we're also talking about the difference between isolation and solitude. Right. Because we also don't want to try to... I mean, that's always a struggle of like... I mean, uh, solitude is good. Like spending time alone is good. Um, Self-sufficiency is good to a certain respect. Mm -hmm. But isolationism is what what we don't think is good and also the self-made man thing doesn't exist. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. But what do you think, why do you think culture props that up so much and glorifies that so much? So part of this is what, yeah, yo, I would love to ask you this, Andy. Uh, you know, a lot of what you do as an artist is really like based on Andy Minio, the brand, uh, being out there. So there is a certain, so, I mean, you have a team of folks around you that do a bunch of stuff, but it's like, uh, um, their name is not on the front of your records. Right. Uh, their name is not what people, uh, associate with what you do. And so part of what I want to ask you, and I don't know if we're yeah, you're starting to dive too deep into this. Um, I think there's an explicit way that people can say, I don't need you. And then there's this subtle way where I feel like what I've seen often with people that are artists or people that have some kind of notoriety, especially in the social media age, is they're quick to shout out other people with the same platforms and or notoriety. So yeah. there's people that they've just met but are a step above them and it's quick to be like, yo, this is my brother and yeah, I couldn't have done it without him. But there's not that same external propping up of the people that have been there for a long time. Right. I think from your standpoint, I would just love to hear it. Why do you think that's the case? Yeah. Cause it's sexy. Yeah. So it's sexy to put, a famous person in your Instagram photo yeah. and be like, ha, me and so-and-so are cool or they look up to me because people find brand recognition. And, oh, I know that person. And, right. you know, it's basically co-signing. Yeah. And as as lame as that is, when you really think about what co-signing is, it's basically someone being told what they need to like. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's, oh, this person likes it, so I'm going to wear it. Like some of these brands, like, yo, I'm going I'm to keep it 100 with you. I go into some of these expensive boutiques, yeah. these brands, and I'm looking at this like, oh, it just says my name, just real small across the chest, $700 sweater. Get that trash out of here. Right. What makes, no, I'm serious. And this is my this is my personal opinion. You can wear whatever you want. You Why? Yeah. Why do you get the, to, to value your joint 
you know what I'm saying, at $700, yeah. you know what I'm saying, for a sweater or whatever yeah. the case is, because somebody said it was hot right. or Kanye wore it or yeah. this person wore it. And now all of a sudden, oh, yeah, I got to have the expensive thing. So co-signing and co-branding is a thing that really, it, it speaks to the sheeple type of mentality that that we have as a culture, this group think like this person said it's cool. It's gotta be cool. And so I think that's why we gravitate towards the bigger names because we want to get some sort of validation from that as well. And then also we benefit from that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I'm not saying I don't do it. I've done it before and I do do it. And it's something that I wrestle with as an entertainer because I understand this is the way the world works. Um, But at the same time, I got to be true to me. Right. And so it's just sexier to put like you standing next to, you know, a big name than it is to sexy and it's strategic and strategic. It's literally like cross promoting one on one. Yeah, it's just a, a business tactic, right. really. Now right. that trickles down though. So what I found is like, yeah, yo, it's hard because I see like people that are. Um, so I see like yeah, schools or organizations, uh, all of this stuff where you have a group of folks. And it's the normal, ordinary, everyday people that are doing all of the work to support this, right? So all the folks that it's like that they need to get this off the ground, those are the ones that are carrying the weight. But then it's the people with the platform that are. Yeah, I always laugh when people are like, yo, you saw this person's new music video? They're a genius. And I'm like, but this person directed it, though. Like. You know what I mean? And yeah. like and like and like I get it. Sometimes the artist co-directed it, but even there, I'm like, most of the time, they were just like, yo, I should wear a suit. And it's like, all right, bro, co-director. Right. Yeah. Um, but I there's just so many instances of because what you said, the um the artist being the forward-facing entity, yeah. everything that happens from the merch to the live show to even the music that sometimes they don't even write the music to the video, to the, to the marketing, everything. Yeah. I love reading that when people are like, yo, this person's a marketing genius. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, there's probably like an entire, like, <laughs> he feels me. Yo, because I'm like, bro, that that person had probably all they did was just turn in the record. But now, mind you, the music is the heartbeat. Like, ain't nobody in the same unhealthy way. Like, ain't nobody trying to say, like, well, I'm, I made you. Because right. remember that Hove line? I heard him saying they made Hove. Made me want to say, okay, so make another Hove. Right. But the point is somewhere in the middle where it's like, nah, bro, you didn't make this person. You to make yourself, yeah. y'all collaborated. Right. And that's where you see the strength. That's where you see the impact yeah. from collaboration. But I think to me, um, I, uh, you know, I would pin that to people just not understanding the right. inner workings of a particular industry. Yeah. You know, um, in the film industry, people want to like shout out the director hard body right. and then not even mention the cinematographer, right. which the, the director of photography, cinematographer is the one that's responsible for the stylistic right. aspect of the film, which is such a big part, Yeah, which is why in this year's Oscars, they fought against, uh, they fought against and won because they were trying to give like uh best cinematography Oscar during like commercials. Like they yeah. weren't trying to air it. And directors were like, yo, 
to to them and editors and directors were like, are you nuts? Like there is no movie without these guys, right? Without these these folks. Yeah. So I just think it's just people not having an understanding of the yeah. inner workings of things. And of course, when you're the I tell him this all the time. I'm like, bro, I'm an advisor for you here. I'm going to tell you what I think. But at the end of the day, you're going to get the biggest win. You're going to take the biggest L. Because the same thing, when we mess up, it comes out like he messed up, up. even though he can deflect. Because really, as a manager, it's a thankless job. Like, you don't get get called a genius. And then you also have to be like, yeah, yo, I messed up because you want to protect the artist. Right. But at the end of the day, I, I feel like even when somebody in the team messes up, he does end up catching the biggest sell at the end of the day. It just, I guess it's just is what it is. Yeah. 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 You know? yeah. yeah. So I, yeah, what I hear you saying is that from a business side, it's just complex, right? That's the way that things are. Because it's, it's perception right. based, right? And yeah. people are like perceive everything that comes out of Andy is one her like Andy was in there yeah. figuring out the wardrobe for the for the right. album cover yeah. and like you know what I mean and yeah. it's like yeah. yeah so personally what changed for you after the realization so he sits on the wall this thirty years of f you I don't need anybody that hurts me and now you see that yeah what changed inside of you yeah well you start I think. You can hold up. I said this line. I said, I've been holding this middle finger up so long, my arm's hurting. And, you know, in a real way, carrying the weight of your emotional unhealthiness, people can do it. But after a while, it starts to tax your brain and body and mind in a way that you didn't realize when you first were like, forget it. It's It's like when a young dude, right? is doing something wrong. Say they're like working in a field or something and an older cat comes by and he's like, hey man, you could get way more work done if you stop trying to carry that whole device and you just push it. Yeah. And it's like, nah, I don't need you to tell me what to do. So just to spite them, they carry the whole thing. Now, if you're 20 years old, you know what I'm saying? You can carry that thing until you're about 30 and then you start realizing like, yo, maybe I should switch up the technique for longevity. Dude who's 50 isn't doing that. You see what I'm saying? So it's like you, I took on an attitude at a certain point in my life that I was able to carry for a long time. Uh. And now that I'm getting older, I'm realizing I'm not meant to carry that like that. And this attitude of, I don't need nobody. It really makes you lonely Uh, in the end. And what I'm realizing is teen angst and like all of like the, the young twenties and everybody who's like, yeah, You're smarter than everybody. You think you understand the world better than everybody. You know what I'm saying? You don't need nobody. You'll do it yourself. That can work for a season of time. And uh, it just ends up toppling at some point. And I think that's what started to happen with me was, you know what? I've told a lot of people I don't need them and I'll do it myself. And I've look what I've made. I'm I'm a gold selling artist. You know what I'm saying? Like I tour the world. I've made money. I do this for a living. See, I proved y'all wrong, right. you know, and it was just like, how do you, do you feel good now? Do you yeah. feel good about yourself or is it, are you still just lonely and angry? Right. And maybe you need to deal with your loneliness and your anger mm. um, instead of just trying to push it in everybody's face. Cause in the end, like you either get healed or you get revenge. Right. You mm. know what I'm saying? And mm. getting revenge might feel good, but being healed is so much better. Yeah. What's going on? It's Andy Minio and Delgis Mustafa at the Work in Progress podcast. We're taking a second to give a shout out to our sponsors. Yay! 
Good. Samaritan Ministries. All right. Who wants to talk about health care, kids? Oh, health care's the best. All right. Listen, nobody wants to talk about health care, but the reality is it's part of life. You're going to break something. You're going to hurt something. Something bad's going to happen. You got to make sure that you're taken care of, all right? If you're 14, you live at your mom's house, you're probably fine. But for the rest of us, listen, we all need to figure out how we're going to do this. Here's what happened. I'm a rapper. I'm a hip-hop artist. You know, I don't work for a big company or corporation that rolls me into some big health care plan and takes care of me if anything bad happens, all right? I'm on my own. Or I pay some insane amount of money to these, uh, you know, insurance companies, which I've done for years for, like, catastrophic insurance. Basically meaning if I break every bone in my body, they're like, all right, we'll consider helping. And even then, you got to have fallen off a roof. It's insane. So here's what we did. Me and my wife, we were looking for other options to make sure we could have a, a, a different kind of health care. And we found Samaritan Ministries. Now, the guy who was giving me the information about this place, you know, he was coming after me for like a year. He's like, hey, man, I think this is a good option for you. You're self-employed. And I was like, nah, you're weird. Get away from me. I ducked him for like a year. But when I started looking into actually what it was, I was like, yo, this is actually forward thinking and really interesting. So here, here's what it is. Essentially, it's not insurance. It's a different kind of health care. And, and what it does is Christians every month send directly to each other as there's a medical need. Now, the reason why this works is because there's 80,000 plus households and growing who are participating in this, so it becomes a network. And so instead of giving your money to some random company you don't know and you don't know what they're doing with it, and then when you get hurt, you don't know if someone's actually going to cover your thing because it's all these stipulations, blah, blah, blah. No, it's just this community of people who's saying, as there's a need, we're going to give. So most months, you know, you're not, you don't have a need, so you're giving directly to people who do have it. But when it's your turn, you have a need, people give directly to you. They stay directly connected. They send you the money that you need. And they also, you know, it's a little more personal. People could pray for you. They can send a card of encouragement. It's actually really cool. I, I think it's incredible. Me and my wife use it. And, uh, you know, I've got injured playing basketball and doing different things. And I've used it, and they came through in the clutch. So I've already seen it firsthand. Now, listen. Again, like I said, it's not for everybody, but just go check it out uh, because it's been an incredible option for us. Go to SamaritanMinistries.org slash Andy Minio. Learn more about it. And uh, listen, take care of yourself, all right? Don't break nothing. You'll be all right. But in case you do, check out Samaritan. All right, back to the podcast. Let's do it. I started to realize so much of the behavior that we glorify and that we see fleshed out. Like I got into an Uber cab, you know, Uber today. And this guy, yo, he didn't wait half a second. He's like, hey, what's going on, man? Dang, you see that booty over there? Yo, she throwing that thing, dog. (laughs) And I'm like, one star, you're a lunatic, wildly unprofessional. But I'm sorry. You know, I laugh because I've never heard throwing that thing. I never heard <laughs> nah, that. No, I never heard it. Ever. Yeah, it was at here. And- this was in Atlanta. <laughs> okay. And I heard, you know, to get breakfast. I heard so much. She's throwing that thing? She, hey, hey, bro, she's throwing that. Yeah. And then, you know, I mean, we're in the car and I'm driving. Terrible. Ten seconds later, he's like, yeah, you know, you know, I just do this on the side like every arbitrage. I'm really an actor. What is it? Oh, man, you seeing that? She got to be Puerto Rican, you know? And I'm like, dog, why can't you drive down the street without like hanging out the window right. like a lunatic? Like, yeah. I'm like, yo, something's wrong with this man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
Like we all got a sex drive, but uh, what I'm saying is there's got to be deeper issues to the reason why you objectify women man, to a level of you can't terrible. even walk past them. Right. I'm like, yo, you got so much hurt going on. And yeah. like, you know, this is me a year after therapy. Right. Like, yo, I can <laughs> Surrogate. <beat> Surrogate. <laughs> yo. Andy started driving and the dude's just laying in the back seat yeah, and I was like, doing hey, man, therapy while he was driving. <laughs> But honestly, that's what happens is when you start to get healthier, you start to peep the unhealthiness, mm. not only in yourself, but even in other people. Or yeah. And I just start asking them, like, yo, why you um, why you seem to be so obsessed with women? Uh, you you one of these, that? Yeah. One of these girls, man, you know, some of these girls, they could have had me about eight years ago, but now I'm popping. So now, you know, I got, I just can't settle down now. And I was like, so what do you, you know, this that's talks crazy. jumps into commitment and all the stuff we talked about on the other podcast. Yeah. But you start to realize that people's behaviors are usually deeply connected to something going on internally. Right. And um, I think that's what happened with me, man, is like I realized my attitude, my commitment to work so hard and to be something yeah. was really just out of my fear and my insecurity that I didn't matter. Yeah. And I threw myself into something to yeah. make myself matter. Did any of your... Um, did any of the health that you... Health that you got from... Counseling changed that drive. So once you started to find yourself more secure, did you find like, yo, now that I don't have to prove myself, I kind of don't work as hard as I used to. Kind of. Yeah. 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 And um, like, you know, my mom passed away at the end of last year mm. and I had just put out projects and... Then I went on tour and then I just, I haven't made music since yeah. essentially. And I've kind of been okay with it. Yeah. You know? And before I would have been like, yo, the world's waiting on you. You got to strike when iron's hot. The momentum's here. And now I think I'm just more like, man, the world is going to go on with or without me. They are. Yeah. That like. Another me right there. Yeah. The world's going to go on with or without me. Um, They'll find someone to replace me. Yeah. These fans are fickle. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have incredible fans, but you don't give them an album in the between the time frame. They'll be like, oh, I don't listen to him no more. I'm on to somebody else. Right. You can't please everybody. You just start to realize what really matters. Yeah. And I think I've stopped, um, not stopped, but I've just had kind of a different attitude uh, uh, right. to a degree where I still really want to work hard and I want to put out great stuff. But I ultimately know, like, trying to chase the approval of people through music and putting that stuff out is such a tiring game. Right. Like, it's such an exhausting game that never really rewards you. Right. Um, in, like, any, like, really lasting ways that it just, uh, it's kind of changed my attitude. So I'm like, oh, I want to go hard. I want to work. I'm going to do my thing. I'm not going to be lazy. Yeah. It's just I don't have that frantic like animal animalistic fear yeah. as much as I as I did. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because it drove me to anxiety. Right. It drove me to depression. It drove me to like, oh my gosh, that's where I Ain't Done came from. It was like, if my career is over, then I'm not worth anything. And I'm done. I started to rage out of yeah. my fear. Yeah. Um, so. Who was there, like, when when you started to come to that place where it's like, yo, I'm yo, I'm, I'm not going to work as hard. Or, and it is going to be okay if I don't put stuff out. Who is there for you to be like, that's okay, Andy? 
yeah, it's okay to do that. Like, who was there that co-signed on that? Yeah, um, did you have anybody? Or when you made that choice, were you just completely solid and think it was this a- is the right thing? Or was it like a, man, I'm not going to do it, but I don't know. Like, did you wrestle back and forth? Yeah, no, it wasn't like a vocal thing, I wouldn't yeah. say. I, I don't think I was like, yo, I'm not doing nothing. Right. Right? Mm, yeah. Yeah. It wasn't that. It was just kind of like an attitude. Yeah. It was like, ah, I'm moving. I'm going to be moving. I'm going to be like relaxing after tour. And right. People are people are like, yo, man, your mom just passed away. Like, take your time. Chill. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, there was, there, and I feel like I got a great team. Dell being part yeah. of that team just to be like, yo, we could push to make music and juice uh. this thing. Or we could push to have like real life health, yeah. like to be really like whole people yeah. and then create out of that, yeah. which would probably be way more beneficial for the world yeah. and for ourselves than to create out of a place of like fear and yeah. panic and like running. Right. And um, yeah. Yeah. Man, I'd love to hear from you yeah. about something I brought up earlier. Why do you think culture glorifies being self-made? Yeah. Why does the not needing community, not needing anyone to do anything, yeah. you literally run through it from, you know, make it happen from A to Z. Yeah. Why is that something that is so attractive yeah. to the world, to society and culture? Because I think that it's like, man, regardless of how secure anybody gives off that they are, what I've learned is everybody's insecure. Everybody is insecure. Nobody is Mm -hmm. as secure as they look on the outside. So there's things that like other people don't see about you that they dislike, but there's things about you that you see about you that you dislike, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just there. Yeah, yeah. It's, It's like when, so, you know, you take a group of folks and you ask them to take a group picture, uh, and you start to pass it around for everybody to give the thumbs up, you'll look at yourself first. And if yeah. you're cool, you're like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, the oh, rest is fine. Great. <laughs> but everybody else, everybody like, nah, else there's their this, so my eyes, yeah, yeah. Uh, three quarters of the way, yeah, closed. And so people just have this sense that they are not okay and they have to prove to themselves and to the world. And so they look at somebody else who's made it and it seems like they did, did it all by themselves. And so I just think that our world is consumed with like trying to like prove that we're something mm. uh independent and, of an, anything else well not independent because it's like nobody is okay with themselves just because they say they're okay with themselves uh-huh right nobody makes art just to set it up in their room and say i don't care what anybody else thinks of but we all want and need somebody else to uh, uh, firm what we do, I think we just like look for the wrong people, the yeah. folks that don't have any stake in our lives to affirm what we do and think if I can just get them to affirm, then I'll be okay. But then we get that and and it doesn't yeah, fix us. I mean, I agree with you all a thousand percent on everything. Uh, but what's funny is that even though I know it's true that people make stuff and want affirmation, uh, a lot of people, they don't think it's cool to say that. So yeah. a lot of people said, 
be like, yo, I just made this for me. Yeah. I don't care who likes it. I don't care who does. Yeah. I mean, even though we know as soon as the camera comes off, they're like, yo, how many views did yeah. that get? Yeah. But that's not what they're putting out there. That's not what they're promoting. Right. So I'm like, it just seems to me that for society and culture, it's way cooler to be like indifferent. Yeah. Like records, like um, I make this joke, like, I don't. Sh have... Shouts to Big Sean. I'm a, I'm a fan of Big Sean. The dude's very talented, very witty. But that song, I'll, I'll Mess With You or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, dang, you put in a lot of work to tell somebody <laughs> how much you, you don't care about yes. them. I'm like, that's actually, that's a really involved thing. You know, like, like. For someone who doesn't care so much. I mean, yo, bro, you've been right here. No, but, but if you don't it's not him, it. it's the idea. Right. Because it's, it's the idea. Yeah. Because everybody does that. Everybody does, um. Everybody will say, man, I I don't care about anything, but they go to great lengths to like show you how much you don't care, which right. kind of like nullifies right. the, the, the supposed indifference. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm like, is it just cool to be indifferent? Is it cool to say, I don't need nobody? Yeah, because I, I guess it's not really cool to do the opposite. No. Yeah, no, no, I mean, it's, it's not cool to voice your hurt or to voice that. I mean, I was really hoping that you would say something. I was really hoping that you would come through, um, and you didn't, and that hurt me. Because as soon as you do that, as soon as you tell somebody that they've hurt you, then you give them like a stake, power, authority in your life, and and that's just that hurts because now you're telling somebody you have power to affect me, and you used it wrongly and that hurts yeah. and it's like you it feels like you give away a piece of yourself to somebody that betrayed you and that yeah how that hurts yeah yeah man i think it's super vulnerable for you to say that you've actually experienced those things because i know i have there's been many times that i've tried to find a way to do it on my own and i think we see it even as christians we can see it in people's relationships with god where people are like oh man i got a relationship with god right not with y'all. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, and I'm always reminded that like there is no separation yeah. of like, you, you know, because God works through people. Right. Like I always remember that thing where Martin Luther said, yo, man, God is supernatural. Like if you're hungry, he could go boom, there's food. Yeah. But like he chooses to have somebody plant something, yeah. then tend to it, and then pick it, and then pack it, and yeah. then ship it, and then repack it again. And then like he God, for whatever reason, chooses to work through people. And the two great commandments are God and people. Uh -huh. And the two are so intertwined that to try to like like to separate the two surgically is, I think, comes from the same place of us wanting to just achieve everything alone. Yeah. yeah. Now, I think what's funny is if you talk to anybody, you know, Christian, non-Christian, anybody that, that believes that there's some sort of God out there, and you ask them what stands in the way of you being able to relate to God rightly for you, like what's the first thing that you think of that stands in the way of you being able to have a good re re relationship with God? The first thing that people are going to say is some type of sin or wrong or imperfection. Uh. And that's absolutely true. The problem is that's not the first thing that the Bible mentions, right? Mm. In the first chapter of the Bible, it's, you know, God made it. It's good, it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. The very first time God will come down and say something is not good, 
is before sin comes into the world. God looks down at the man by himself and says, yo, this is not good. That if man's going to know me, he's going to need somebody else for him to know me. And I think, man, you read through the book of Ecclesiastes and chapters one through three is all life is imperfect. Like if you live in this life thinking that your joy is going to come in fixing all the things that are wrong or imperfect with this life, you are going to be joyless. You've got to learn to accept imperfection. Then chapter four comes in and says, hey, if one through three is this world sucks and it's broken, chapter four is the only hope that you have to any kind for joy is make sure you don't do it by yourself, right? Mm. So our biggest fight is not trying to fight against imperfection. Our, our biggest fight is trying to avoid isolation. I think that that is one thing that we can con- control in yeah. this yeah, life. So, Yeah. Yeah, you know, the, the opening lyrics of the second verse are, you know, um, I hate asking for help. My pride's too real. I'd rather die starving than to ask for a meal. Like, that attitude that I, you know, am, am confessing and talking about is something that I see not only with myself, but all around me. Yeah. And I want to dive into that a little bit because I, I particularly run into this with my wife. You know what I'm saying? I know other people in relationships with people that are significant to them, whether it be their their wife, their husband, their mom, their dad, their brother, their sister. There's a unwillingness to just ask somebody for help or for what they need from that person. And sometimes it drives me crazy where, you know, my wife, you know, we'll have a moment and, and, and I'll just be like, well, I didn't realize you were mad at me about that thing because I didn't know you wanted me to do that. Right. You know, and it's like, why don't you just tell me that's what you want? And there's, I want to talk about this because I think there's some mystification in some way that like, if I tell you what I want, then when you do it, it doesn't really, it's not really genuine or something. (laughs) Right. And, and I've had, um, I've had one guy, he's like a, he's like a mentor to me. He said, you know what? I've just learned to ask my wife for exactly what I need from them. Yeah. And he said, I need my wife to smile at me. Yeah. And he goes, it just fills my tank. He goes, it's <laughs> <laughs> a white guy, of course. <laughs> fills my tank. No, uh, he goes, he goes, listen, I walk in the house and, and I, and I just want my wife to say, Hey, yeah. and smile at me. Because it just makes me feel good. Yeah. You know? And he's like, I've just had to ask for it. But if I walk in and for years I'm just holding around, she don't even smile at me. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, you're missing all those years and all that time of you could have had exactly the thing yeah. that you wanted if you were vulnerable enough to just ask. Yeah. And my wife, you know, she has actually done a really good job of this. You know, she was like a couple months into marriage, she was like, hey, yo, check it out. I'm going to need you to get me flowers. Like, Couple times a month, right? Just straight up. Couple now, times a month, though. yeah. So like every two weeks, I get I grab flowers. Yeah. And I was like, Yo, I got you. Right. Don't even worry about it. Right. Yeah. I threw a little note in my phone. Get Christina flowers. You know, I remember to do those things. She's actually been very good yeah. about just asking me. And then you know, I've been very direct about asking her. Yeah. You know, um, to get you flowers. Yes. Uh, but I think there's like a hesitancy in that, and I think people don't want to ask. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, what is that? 
Well, so so I've been on the wrong side of that, right? In that uh, I'm 34 right now, and for the past 12 years, I've been involved in some sort of pastoral men industry, right? So it's like you start off, and it's like, yo, I'm a pastor because I want to help folks, and you just start off trying to be helpful. And so it took place through those first years. You know, the first eight years is people call you when they need something. And you help and they feel better and you feel good and things are good and you help, 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 help. And then you get to a place where you start to sit back and say, dang, nobody ever just calls me to ask how I'm doing. And so it doesn't turn into like, you know, F them, I don't need y'all. It kind of turns into a self-pity, like, hey, what's wrong with me that turns into a bitterness and a resentment. And so for years, like, that's what it was. Just, you know, I guess I'm just here to help folks. And, you know, I've got my two or three close friends that help me. And I think things all changed for, for me, you know, four years ago when my brother passed. So, you know, next month will be the fourth year. And it was six weeks before we were getting ready to start the church that we did right now. And it was like, you know, I just lost Like, he was the family member that I was closest to. And, you know, I'm in a depression and I just, you know, don't know what to do. And for the first time in my adult life, there was a steady stream of people that were part of my church, right, calling me not to say, can you answer this? Can you help me out with this? But just like, how are you? How are you? And that was the first time for me that I like really knew or explicitly like saw or felt like I need this. I need it. And so for me, it was just 10 years where I didn't know. And it took my brother dying and people actually starting to do it before I said, I need this. Mm. And that was what changed for me to the point where now I can ask for those things because now I like, like once you see and you feel what that's like for somebody to like reach out and care for you and not value you based on what you can do for them. I, I think it's just like your eyes are open to a whole new world of, man, there's, there's people around here that can really help me. So, yeah. And I'm wondering what made you n not, know that you're valuable for that long yeah too that's like another part of it yeah. is like or maybe you did i might be reading into that assuming but i think sometimes we can go through life mm -hmm. not thinking that we are worthy of deep friendship or yeah. care or concern or love from people and then the moment you taste it you're like oh that's huh? nice yeah. you know what i'm saying yeah. like i know so many people parents in particularly moms in particular who are just like my sole mission is to live for my children and just provide for them. And yeah. it doesn't matter if I ever date again or anything. That's basically, yeah. you know, how my mom was. And um, they basically just throw themselves yeah. like down on the fire for their kids, uh, which I'm super grateful for. But the other part is like, yo, you know that you're valuable yeah. too mm. yeah. and that you actually are deserving of love and yeah. deserving – but they would never ask because they don't even see themselves as worthy to ask. Right. That makes yeah, sense? Yeah, yeah. So I'm like, yo, I think this is a bigger issue. Right. You know, I don't need anybody, not because um, I'm good off without them. It's because maybe I don't even think that I'm 
deserving of it. Right. Mm. Yeah, so that's it. Right. Might be it, there. Might be an I don't need you and I don't deserve you or something like that. Something like, to that effect of like I don't deserve to receive. I should just give. Yeah. That's a big thing in yeah. pastors, right? I mean, you were talking. Yeah, about that's why that I, recently. Yeah. Um, and I think in your instance, these are it's crazy. These are two different things. I, I have a third thing related to I don't need you. In your instance, it was like a an anger. But I realized that in my life, it's a more subtle thing. Mm. Like, I don't really have an anger. Like, you hurt me. I don't need you. Right. you. I'm just, I'm a person that it enjoys a lot of solitude. Always yeah. have. And I've been fortunate to always be, to always have a lot of friendships. Yeah. Like, always. Since I was a little kid. Right. I, you know, and my wife and, like, and her family are, like, so tight. Yeah. So my wife has three brothers and they were like her homies and right. she, she'll have like friends, but that was like her thing. She'd always tell me like, yo, how do you have so many friends? Because right. I'll be like, I'll be hitting people up and yeah. like, yo, let's chill with this person. Or I'll bump into yeah. somebody. And, but I've realized, you know, I look back on my life, like I've always been the type to always like maybe end up in isolation mm. Mm. by choice. Yeah. So it's like having related people, yo, man, where you been? You're lost, bro. Yo, hit me up. Yeah. Yo, you don't come around. Oh, man, you know, you know, I'm just chilling, doing my thing. And it's like a comfort zone for me. And I've realized that then be becoming a Christian and seeing like the emphasis on like the need for community, yeah. but going through seasons, man, where I was just like, and seeing the terrible results of an isolation now right. yeah. because my the veil's been lifted. I realized that in my experience, it hasn't been an angry, I don't need you. It's been a subtle, almost like subconscious, yeah. under my breath, I don't need you. Yeah. That wasn't anger fueled um, as much as it was um, based out of comfort, like self-absorption. Yeah. And, hmm. um, but I think at the, at the core is still this flawed belief that, we can achieve success in life by our own definition in isolation. It really, it's an, an isolation, right? right. The self-made man is an isolated man. Yeah. It's an island, yeah. you know? And so I think no matter what, it, it always ends up being the same thing because I think maybe in your case, it's like, oh, I'm fine just giving. Yeah. And not needing to be... Uh, poured into by people. Right. I think at the at the core, I guess it's just this belief that like we're gonna make it all right yeah. by just doing, not receiving, or not having to have people come and help us and yeah. lift us up. You know what I mean? In yeah. a way, yeah. 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 Isolation feels safe, uh, I guess, because you know you're you're closed in. Yeah. You know, but it does take a lot of bravery to walk out into the world and to, you know, when you expose yourself, you expose yourself to, um, to receiving love and then to also receiving pain. Yeah. And, you know, there's like this great quote from, uh, I think it's CS Lewis. He's just like, he's like, Oh, if you want your heart to never like go through pain or hurt, he's like, tuck it into a nice little box and put it away and there it'll grow cold and lifeless yeah. and it'll never have to experience pain mm. but it will also never experience love and well, that's the isolation simple 
it's super low risk. Because think about the complexities of human relationship. Yeah. Think about marriage. Right. Yeah. Like if you really want a simple, you said it uh, in the uncomfortable intro. If you want to live a comfortable, comfortable life, life, make sure you never love nobody. Um, never sacrifice is the way yeah. you end. So you never say. love nobody, be selfish and never sacrifice. sacrifice. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that'd be very comfortable. Yeah. yeah. But I don't think it'll be full. And simple. Right. But ultimately yeah. it will kill you. Mm. Like we believe that in right. like ult in an ultimate way it will kill you. Yeah. It'll kill Absolutely. your soul. Yeah, that's that's crazy, man. Just to see the different expressions, mm-hmm. how isolation really are are we just talking about isolation here? Yeah. I and, believe so. Yeah. And how it looks different. Yeah. Even for someone that uh and this is something I was I was having a conversation recently about this. With people like you, for example, or like pastors that are people that care for others. And they're the ones that like the community looks to like, man, if only I could get on their level. Right. Like they aspire to be like these leaders, right? Yeah. Yeah. That ends up, it ends up with the leaders being really lonely because nobody's like, yo, but what about their needs? They're like, their needs? Yeah. That I'm trying to get there. Right. What do you mean their needs? What do you yeah. mean check in on him? If yeah. I got to check in on him, then then maybe he's not. Right. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Or, or she's not. You know what I mean? Or they're not. So yeah. I think that's the risk there. Right. Then the risk with someone like me that's got like tons of relationships, like right. you know, like social skills and yeah. like, and people might not see it. Like I'll see, I'm, have you ever seen that you're like, I'm out in public and I'm like, hey man, yeah, just struggling right now. When I'm out in public. Now that we have, like, a really intimate friendship, like, I'll be vulnerable with you. But normally, like, people are like, oh, this dude's chilling. But, like, not knowing that subtly, I'm not even angry at nobody, bro. Because at least in your thing, it's like, yo, these people did this. I'm I'm not angry at nobody. I just think I'm chilling dolo. Yeah. I prefer dolo. That's (laughs) that's my preference. Well, there's also personality types, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, people who get energy from people are considered extroverts. People who get energy from isolation are called introverts. Or from solitude. I, yeah, from solitude. I think you can know you can have a health, uh, unhealthy pendulum in either direction. Yeah. Too right. much isolation, you know what I'm saying? Any too much of any good thing is That's usually right. a poison. It's usually right. a bad thing. Uh, too much mm. extrovertness and just always being around people. You never deal with care. your own yeah. quiet and yourself. Too much, uh, you know, introversion. You can get self-absorbed and and. Stop thinking about the needs of others or how to contribute to a a world that's filled with people that you have to interact with. Just starting with family. Yeah. I think that's a fourth thing, right? People that get too much from people. Yeah. That like people are their idol. They get yeah. too much significance. Yeah, but I think that that ties in some to some of the first ones that we talked through. So as we've sat and talked, you know, I've started to reflect on my own life and it's like, dang, where did it come from that I felt like I didn't have anybody that would call and check on me. And it was because, uh, yeah, I look back and it's like, no, 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 I did have those folks and I do have them. And the only reason why I'm still sane is because I've had the Richard Mullins, right? A guy that was my freshman roommate at Baylor 16 years ago. And we've lived in the same city for 15 of the 16 years. He pastors the church with me, right? I think of the trips that I've known for 15 years. I think of the Dehadis and the James and the shows and just all of these folks that have been constants, but it's like, 
I do feel like the idolatry of valuing what other people that are not them say about me causes me to take those things for granted. Mm. And now I have it and it's there, but I don't use it to its fullness because I'm too busy spending my time trying to get what God has already blessed them to give me, Mm. trying to get it from people that, that are not going to give it to me. And so I run and I chase and I strive and I don't get it. And then I leave and feel like nobody cares because the idols that I put my trust in are failing me. Right. So it just has me sitting back like, man, I think God has already, you know, richly blessed me with my Mm. wife and people. And I think not feeling uh, a sense of security comes not because God hasn't provided it, but because I've taken for granted what God has provided as I've chased yeah. Yeah, that forbidden yeah, fruit. So. Damn. You know, the key word is community. And, like, we all need it. Yeah. And it's really a non-negotiable. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, a good point you make is that, you know, everything to an extreme can be bad, but community is 100% necessary if yeah. we want to flourish as human beings. Absolutely. Um, that's the key word. Stop. Key word is we're done. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dope. <laughs>